Purify your mighty and marvelous name. Lord, we appreciate your kindness, your great love towards us. Thank you because you want us to succeed. Thank you for what you are doing in our life and in our time. And thank you for what you are doing in Nigeria and in Africa. And we praise and adore you for what you will still do. Thank you since yesterday for the deep things you've been revealing unto us. Lord, we cannot just but say, this is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. We appreciate all you have done for us, Lord. All those things you have revealed to us, Lord. We bless you for all that your Holy Spirit has done in our lives since yesterday. May you receive our thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, here is another day. The day which we have made. And the day which we do greater and mightier things in our life, in our church, in our ministry. Thank you because the seed of success is being sown afresh. The seed of victory is being sowed afresh in our life. And thank you because the seed will take root and germinate. And everything will result in your glory in both our lives and in our churches. Lord, we pray you do all this today. And until this conference comes to an end in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go into your word, Lord, this morning, open the eyes of our understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless us mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. Those who are still coming, Father, quicken their paces down here in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory be to your mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's have our seats. This morning, according to our program, and uh, as we have said yesterday, we will be starting early so that uh, we can close earlier than yesterday. And the topic we shall be looking at this morning is spiritual battle for evangelism. It is found in page 6 of our booklet. Spiritual battle for evangelism. God's highest priority is evangelism. We all know that. That that is the mandate that Christ has given to the church. And that is found in the book of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where he told us to go ye into all the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This is the injunction or the command or the great commission as we often call it that Christ has given to the church. And that is the highest priority of our God. Calling out people who we honor and glorify his name. Calling sinners out of their sin, out of darkness, out of bondage to Satan and to the world. So that they can come and glorify him. And if truly we belong unto the Lord, this should be number one 
in our own agenda also. Though it is unfortunate today that there are churches that are established or that are functioning, that evangelism is not their number one business. The purpose why the church is uh, founded is quite different from this highest priority of God of evangelizing and bringing sinners onto the side and into the kingdom of our dear Lord. They have other things they pursue rather than evangelism. Evangelism is not high on the agenda of the program of the church. And uh, you could deduce that at the end of the year when the, an account is made of how the monies that come into the church was suspended during the year, you discover that one of the things that receive lowest attention is gospel outreach. We can do a lot of lunches, a lot of givings, a lot of this, a lot of that. But how much do we spend on evangelism and reaching out and planting churches and uh, bringing sinners to the kingdom of God is almost zero compared to other expenditures we are making this in the year. That goes clearly to tell us that in many of our churches and uh, in the priority of many ministers, evangelism is not high. But if truly we are of the Lord, it should concern us as it concerns the Lord. Because it's a life and death struggle. Any sinner that dies in sin is an eternal victory for Satan. So that is what the Lord wants us to make as our highest priority also. And uh, we go to say that the rest of our years on earth should make a difference in the number of souls that are brought into God's kingdom. You know, like I was saying yesterday, that if God will follow our calculation as theologians, you see, we only have maybe just five years. Well, even if it's five years, or if it is more than five years, the rest of the life we are going to live here should make a difference in the souls that are brought into the kingdom of Christ. That should be the personal goal of every minister and every leader and every pastor, that the rest of my years here must make a difference in the souls that will be brought into the kingdom of God. There are millions who are still in their sin. In fact, if you look at Nigeria alone, we discover that though we profess that the gospel is progressing in Nigeria, we thank the Lord for what is happening. But if you look at the statistics very well, it's very alarming and discouraging. In fact, in Nigeria, we have 49% who are, about 43% or about 49 who are Muslims. Yes. About 49% of, no, 52% is Muslim. The rest, uh, 48 is Christian. And out of those Christians, only 23% are born again. The rest are just uh, nominal Christians. In fact, statistics tell us that in Nigeria alone, we have 18 million nominal Christians who only go to church. They don't know they are left from their right. 18 million of them. They go every Sunday, they are involved in church activity, but they don't have the kingdom of God living inside of them. They don't know anything about getting born again. Now we have a lot, work, a lot of work to do. And uh, breaking down the statistics, we got to realize that the ratio of Christian to unbelievers in Nigeria is ratio 1 to 7. Where you find one believer, you find seven sinners. And I always tell people that if anything calamitous happen, they will kill us, they will overwhelm us. One to seven. Now, that goes to tell us that if we have just ten years, ten years, ten years, 
Maybe let's say we have 10 years more to live as individuals. Then, if every Christian in Nigeria, born again Christian, if all of us just win seven people in that 10 years, I tell you by the end of 10 years, Nigeria will be 70% Christians. But we don't, it's not easy like that. Because of all these things we are saying. And uh, because most of us, the priority is not there. The other things, we fight for positions and a lot of things that we are doing that does not make the kingdom of God to be established. Though we have churches, and I will get there later on, we have churches springing up every day. We have programs on television. We have uh, posters here and there. We have the advertisement. But in reality, we discover that fundamental, genuine Bible Christianity has not really grown in Nigeria. Most of all those popularities and programs and adverts and posters and all those things, they are just 419 Christians. Real Christianity, Bible Christianity, Godly Christianity, that changed the moral and transformed the life, that changed the society for better, has been somehow stagnant in Nigeria for quite some time. And that is a duty on you and me as gospel ministers in Nigeria to do something about it. You know, most of the time, we join the people in condemning the nation. Well, Nigeria, we don't know what to become of it. Well, everything lies in our hands. If we take the gauntlet and fight the battle, like we are saying, I tell you, my brethren, Nigeria will be one for Christ. The politicians cannot do anything. The economists, they can't do anything. Their own is just to postulate and quote budgets and give you statistics of what is not happening or what is happening or what they feel is happening. But we that are on the side of the law, the victory is on our side. And Christ has won the victory already. If we only would take the courage and go out and fight the battle that we need to fight, the victory will be ours. And I pray it shall be so in Jesus' name. Yeah, our main purpose of living should be for the expansion of God's kingdom here on earth. That should be the main purpose of our living and the main purpose of being a gospel minister. But most of us, there are other purposes than that. Many who are just Christian leaders, they have other reasons, other ulterior motives, why they are leaders, why they are pastors, why they are ministers. But the real reason why we should be a minister and now the church is for the expansion of the kingdom of God. You see a pastor, when he has a church, and the church has grew to maybe about 400 or 500 members, then he's satisfied. It's okay, it's alright, at least I'm progressing, at least I'm moving forward, at least this is my church, the building has been erected, the children have their own church, and the people are coming. What do you, I'm doing a great work for the Lord. Hmm. May God help us, shall we? There are others, countless thousands, who have not been warned. We should reach out. You know, it's just like Joshua. After he has delivered the, and uh, demarcated the land to the Israelites, and Joshua has, uh, is now getting old. You know, in Joshua chapter 13 verse 1, uh, he was getting old. Then the Lord came to him that Joshua, there remained yet more land to be possessed. And I often tell people, I said, the, uh, when I teach them on theology of growth, I said, the theology of growth is the theology of harvest. Now, in harvest, there are some principles that guide harvest. You know, if you have been a farmer, or if you from, come from hinterland, you've had experience with farmers, you discover that the time of harvest is the most serious time. That is why in those days, farmers have many wives. That's one of the reasons. Because of harvest time. And they bear a lot of children. Because of harvest time. 
because during the and that's why they don't send them to school because during the time of harvest the children will be around to help the wives will be around to help because every hand must be on deck everybody must be involved in the time of harvest the reasons are if it is not read during the time of harvest it will be lost forever and one principle that guides harvest is this your sources in harvest does not depend on how many you have brought in but how many remain to be harvested for example maybe you plant a, a 10 acre farm of rice and everything got ripened the harvest time is around and you reap only five acres or six acres you say thank the lord we reap a lot of harvest the storehouse is full the barn house is full everything is inside we thank the lord for that i am a successful farmer i've reaped all my i've done all i should do have you done it no no success in harvest is not measured by how many have been brought in but how many remain to be harvested the same thing my brethren in evangelism the same thing and you know you know the bible Matthew chapter 4. Jesus said the fields are white, already to be harvested. So our success is not measured by how many members we have got, but how many still remains to be brought in. And the sinners are all around us. You go down and check out those statistics I'm telling you. Ratio 1 to 7. But you, you, you. Okay, okay. Let me give you an illustration. Just go to Oshodi over there. You know when you get to Oshodi? See the people milling here and there. You just begin to count. You will have counted about 20 sinners before you see one, uh, one person who is a believer. It's true. They are all around us. And you know where our church are located? In the streets. They don't know us. Some churches that are in the street. They don't do what? They don't know us. They don't know there is a church there. And the people who go, they will just be there. On Sunday service, nothing. We are not impacting the society. I pray we shall be a contagious church in Jesus' name. So all these are telling us that we have not succeeded at all. So forget all the members you have. Forget the success you have gone in the past. Forget all that. Harvest is not measured by how many have been brought in, but how many remains to be harvested. The field is white already. And uh, the sinners are just there. And uh, in West Africa, it is only Nigeria. That is the has high percentage of 23%. Only 23% are born again in the population of Nigeria. Now, it is only Nigeria. There are countries like Togo, like Benin Republic. The percentage is about 1%. And they are looking up to us. Places like Ghana, they are looking up to us. Because it appears as if the gospel is more easy in Nigeria than many West African countries. So economically and politically, they don't only look up to Nigeria. Spiritually also, they are looking up to us. So that's why we must rise up, my brethren. And uh, because this vision is not there, you see there are churches where we have six, seven, eight pastors, pastoring just a church as big as this one. Wasted manpower. May God help us in Jesus' name. Third greatest pass. Have realized that the real battle for world evangelization is spiritual. And that the more we learn about it, the more effectively we will be able to com complete the great commission. Yes, the more we learn about spiritual warfare, 
It is then we will be able to do all that we need to do. It is then that our gospel outreaches, our crusades, our evangelism, our all we are doing, it is then they will be more successful. You see, evangelism, though we thank the Lord for it, there are churches who stress it, and uh, personal evangelism, crusade evangelism, outreaches, and so on and so forth, television evangelism, radio evangelism. But if you look at it, it does not have the desired effect as it should be because we have not joined this spiritual dimension to it. We have not had spiritual warfare to it. That's why we are not succeeding as we should do. But the more we learn about the spiritual evangelism, uh, spiritual warfare, the more successful we shall be because the more you know about your enemies, the more easier it becomes to defeat him. If you are, if you are a military man, or if you go into military strategies, you discover that an unknown enemy is more dangerous than an enemy you know. That's why in military strategism, they always do what they call reconnaissance. Like America, they have special planes that they set in the sky that will go and do reconnaissance for them. What that means is that they go and discover the secret of their enemies. Then they will come back and feed them information. When they feed them information, they go out there and defeat them. In fact, that's what they used in defeating Saddam Hussein in the uh, Kuwait war. You know, he was boasting. Yeah, my ground troops will, dis uh, will destroy America. But when they do their reconnaissance, they discover that if America put the ground troops there in the desert, these people are more experienced than the Americans. They will kill all of them, finish. Then their reconnaissance tells them that it is area battle that will finish them off. You weaken them with area battle force, then by the time you go in with ground troops, they are finished. And that's what they do. And by the time they come in, they come in from the sea, they come in from the air. Uh, Saddam Hussein was expecting them to come from ground. But they came in from the sea and from the air. And by the time they do that for about 10 days, he's weakened and defeated already. So that is why we are learning spiritual warfare, because the more you know about your enemy, the more you are on the victory side. Because if, and uh, you know there's this idea that says, <laughs> the devil you know is better than the angels you, are, you don't know. So that's why we are learning all these things, so that we can become more effective in reaching out and uh, in our churches. And the Lord will bless us mightily as we learn them in Jesus' name. Yeah, the enemy you don't know is more dangerous than the one you have known. So that's why we are using over all this. Now, how do we overcome this strong man? Jesus used the term Nikau. And that Nikau is from Nicholas in Greek. Nikau is the Greek, is from Nicholas in Greek. In some of his references to dealing with the strong man or with an opposing demonic force. It is a warfare term. If you, op if you open our Bible to Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 from verse 20 uh, from verse uh, 18 let me read from verse 18 to 22 if Satan also be divided against himself how shall his kingdom stand because she said that I cast out devils through Beelzebub and if I, if I by Beelzebub cast out devils by whom do your sons cast them out therefore shall, ye be, shall they be your judges but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when the stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, 
He taken from him all his armor when he trusted and divided his spoils. Satan is that armed man. In verse uh, 20, a strong man armed, keepeth his palace. Then his goods are in peace. Like I said yesterday, all those territories, I mean all those neighborhoods and uh, communities where we find ourselves, there are certain powers who are keeping the place secure. The place has been devoted and dedicated to them. So Jesus was actually telling us that before you can overcome him, you have to be stronger than him. When he's stronger than he commit and overcometh him, that's Nikaude. He overcometh him, he bind him. He, let's look at another passage in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 29. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 29. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Binding there also means Nekau. You overcome him. You bind him. You put him in bondage. Then, open to Mark chapter 3 also, verse 27. Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 3, verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his good, except he will first bind a strong man, and then he will spoil his house. The house. Is that community where you find yourself? The house is that neighborhood where you find yourself. The house is that town where your church is located. The house is where is that area neighborhood where you are living. The house is that street where you find yourself. Before you can enter there and spoil his goods and bring out those who are under his uh, under his bondage and oppression, you first have to bind him. And that bind is again there me in Greek it is Nikau. You have to Nikau him, you have to bind him, it is there. You'll be able to take his goods away from him. Jesus used the word overcome, bind, conquer interchangeably in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus has already conquered and the enemy is wounded. But Jesus is using us to continue and finalize the victory at Calvary. You know the picture of the devil is just like this. It's like a, a lion. You know, Hebrew, the Bible calls him a roaring lion. Now, if you are a hunter, you understand what I'm trying to say. Or if you have heard the stories from hunter, if you shoot at lion at close range, if you don't run away, the lion will kill you. Even after you shot at him, and the bullet got him either in the head or in the neck or in a dangerous place, the lion will die, but the fury of a lion that is shot at is more stronger when he's about to die. If you shot, that's why those who are hunters, who are experts in killing lions, when they are going to kill a lion, they will stay afar off. When they shot at the lion, at the head or at the eye or in the neck, they will first run away and go and hide themselves. Because the lion will be so furious. Then he will fell trees and kill everything in the way. He will fight and fight and fight. But the fighting of that lion is the fighting of a drawing man. You know when somebody is trying to draw, 
Will he not be fighting? And yet he's doing what? He's drawing, he's sinking. So the fighting of that lion is the fighting of a drawing man, a sinking man. But the lion will fight. So a wise hunter, when he shot at the lion, will first go and hide himself. After the lion has fought for about 10, 15, 20 minutes, then he will cool down and die. But a foolish hunter will stay there and the lion will kill him before the lion dies. So that's just the picture of the devil. Christ has nailed him on the cross in the head. But he's plenty mad and serious and furious about it. He knows he has an end. He will eventually be conquered. But before he, he goes off, he wants to kill as many as possible. That's just the picture of who the devil is. That is why you and me have to get, get that victory of Christ and enforce it in that territory, in that area, in that community where we find ourselves. You know the picture is this. You know I get to, I was telling my people one Sunday, I said, the picture of getting this victory of God is just like this. If you don't ask God, he will not intervene in your situation. Yes. Because, let me quickly tell you, do I plan to tell you when I'm treating prayer? But let me tell you this. There's, you know in Old Testament, when God created man, the Bible says, God's, the man was very good and very okay. But it was God himself that saw that it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make an helpmate for him. Am I right? Adam never asked God for a wife. It was God who brought the wife to him. After a couple of years, when they fell into sin, and God came around, Adam, why did you eat that fruit? I said you should not eat. You know his answer is this. Don't trouble me. Mind yourself. I didn't ask you for a wife. It was the woman you gave me. I didn't ask you. Mind you. She's the one that caused the trouble. Since I was alone, did I eat it? It was the woman you gave me that said that troubled me. So if you, what, paraphrasing his answer, he's just saying, if you didn't bring this woman, this thing will not happen. I didn't ask you, you are the one who brought her. And when you brought her now, see the trouble she caused for us. Then since then, God has determined that if you don't ask, you don't receive. No, he knows your need. But if you don't ask him, he'll be looking at you. That's why James chapter 4 says, Ye ask not, you receive not. But if you ask, you receive. Amen. Amen. I'm thinking, I think I'm not out of the Bible. No, you know theologians are here. So I, I need to be careful. The other thing is this. Why God will not intervene if you don't ask him? The second reason is what I want to tell you now. You know, legally, the devil is the controller of this world. Because when God created man, he made Adam the ruler, the God of this world, so to say. Because he told him that had dominion over everything I've created. So in a way, Adam is the god of this world. But when devil deceived him, and he sold the bad child into the hand of the devil, legally, Satan became the god of this world. If you read John chapter 12, verse 31, even Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, Satan is the god of this world. Now, when he was tempting Jesus, according to the record of Luke, Luke, in Luke chapter 4, he told Jesus that, if you bow down to me, 
All this one will I give you because it was given to me. And who gave it to him? Peter. So legally, he is the one controlling the systems of this world. Now, if God just come around and intervene, they will say, you are breaking your law. But if you are the one that invites him to come, based on the picture of Christ, we will be able to come to the picture and intervene. That's why prayer and asking God is very necessary. I said, you can die in your problem, God will be looking at you if you don't ask him. If you don't invite him. You know, there was this record of Jesus walking on the sea in the night. The disciples were in the boat and the storm was blowing. You understand me? The Bible says, I think the record of Mark, he says Jesus make as if to pass them by, as if to go forward. It was when they say, Master, come now, save us, we are perishing. It was when they called him, he came. When they did invite him, he did as if he was going. So sometimes, the storms and the troubles of life can be troubling you. If you don't invite him. And you know, another time he was sleeping in the boat. And the waters were coming in. The storm were blowing. It is until they say, Master, we perish now. Do something. So then he answered them. So if you don't call him, he might not intervene. That's why spiritual warfare very necessary, my people. The Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. The churches in the seven cities of Asia are to overcome or conquer the evil forces, preventing the glory of God from shining in their cities. Let's go back to that Revelation chapter 2. I mean, let's go there. Then we'll discover this principle very, very clearly. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. It is to him that overcometh. That word overcometh also means Nikal. It is him that overcome him and bind the enemy and conquer him. It is him that wrath that I will be able to reward. Then if you look at verse 11 again. He that I can hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second dead. He lay emphasis on overcoming, overcoming, having the victory, winning the war, fighting the strong man, binding him and conquering him. Jesus lay and stressed that to the churches of Asia. Then in verse uh, 17 again. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh, will I give to it of the hidden manna, and I will give him a wise stone, and is the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Then verse 26. And he that overcometh, and keepeth my words unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Chapter 3 verse 5. He, he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is new Jerusalem, which cometh out of, the out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And lastly, verse 21. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as, as I also overcame 
and I'm sent down with my father in his throne. To inherit all these promises, we have to overcome the enemy. Not only in our neighborhood, not only in our area, in our communities, even in our lives also. We have to nickel him. We have to conquer him. We don't have to give him rule. When he comes either to the territory of our life, to our family, to our home, to our mind, to our life, either with sin or with anything, we have to overcome him in the strength of the Lord. And it is when we overcome, it is then we can inherit all these promises. Now, we know all these things. You know all these churches, where they were founded, or in that Asia Minor where they are, they were the strongholds of Satan there. And even Jesus had to write to some of them that they are lying, that some of them are sitting where the seat of Satan is. That's why he lay emphasis on overcoming, binding him, conquering him, not giving him home, destroying his house. It is there you can inherit the promise of eternal life. Because why? Victory over Satan starts from here. If you don't have victory over him here, you can't go there over there. Because whoever gets to heaven has eternal victory over Satan. But the victory starts here. You have to be practicalizing it, enjoying it every day of the life here, before you can be transferred there so that you continue it forever. But if you're a slave of Satan here, how do you want to enjoy overcome him forever? No, my people. In one of the churches, where the church was located, was this uh, God there, Diana. Especially in Ephesus. You know that's the, 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 the idol having control of Ephesus. You remember the Acts of Apostles chapter 19 when Paul went there. Those people who are the servants and the, and the, and the priests of uh, Diana. And those who are making images for, her, for, for Diana. You know they rose up against Paul and drove him out of the city. They persecuted him because they say he doesn't want them to gain through Diana anymore. Now let's do. Diana was one of the seven wonders of the then known world. Despite the pervasive influence of those territorial spirits representing the, in Diana at Ephesus, Paul overcame the spirit by power encounter and evangelism and the gospel was established and it was a very church. You know Paul fought and overcame that Diana God in Ephesus and he planted a church there. And if you look at the church of Ephesus, it's one of the strongest churches of the New Testament. You know, you will discover that by the epistle Paul wrote to them. In the epistle of Ephesus, it was even there that Paul talks about spiritual warfare. It was what he experienced. Before planting a church at Ephesus, that was what he was writing to them. You know, he was about to finish the letter. He wanted to close it up in verse 9. Just to tell them, he said, finally, my brethren. Just finally, don't forget this one. That's what I practiced before the church was established. So don't you forget it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. And uh, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Against principalities, against powers. Like doctor told us yesterday. Against powers, against rulers of darkness in wicked places. And if you read the story of Ephesus very well, that by the time they will be worshipping Diana, every, everybody must close down. And people come from every other places to come and see the worship of great Diana. They build a big house for her. And they, this blacksmith, they will make pendants with the, with the image of Diana there. They will be selling all that. So that is why they are, that, that is why when Paul came, 
they rose up against him. That where he will not want, he will not allow us to sell all these things, so because if he conquers us and uh, the people repent of their sins and they don't start dying anymore, our business is finished. That's why they rose up against him. You can go and read Acts chapter 19 very well, and I know you know it. But Paul overcame and planted church there. So no matter how evil or how pervasive or how strong the stronghold or where you find yourself, you can plant a church there by the strength of the Lord. The power there must be overcome. Christ has won the victory. We only need to enforce the victory. And if you don't tell the devil to go, he won't go. He won't do what? But one passage, I always tell people that if you forget any other passage, when we are treating spiritual warfare, I say, if you forget any other passage, don't just forget James chapter 4 verse 7. Receive the devil and he will flee from you. He's so sure. So sure. He will flee from you. If you forget any other passage in spiritual warfare, don't just forget that one. Resist him and he will flee from you. If you don't resist him, he will stay there. Pam, pam. He go help us in Jesus' name. Then Pagamos is another place. Pagamos. Jesus actually de uh, described Pagamos in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 as the place where the seat of Satan is. Where Satan is sitting. Where he says headquarters is. Pagamos was the official capital of the province of Asia and seat of imperial authority. Pegamos was the center of four pagan cults. Zeus, Atima, Jesus, and Espios. And the seat of the blasphemous emperor worship. Despite all this, a church was planted in Pegamos. Despite all these gods that they worship, despite all the idols that they do obeisance to, they plant a church there, even where the seat of Satan is. So you don't have to be afraid. And you begin to scamper. You say, well, this place is too strong for me. I cannot plant a church there. And you run away. Oh, brother. It should not be so. No matter how strong the place is, you can start something there. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament about the Israelites. And you know, we are the Israelites of today. Say this. He see shall possess the gate of their enemies. It's true. But it takes a strong man to do that. Strong man in the Lord, though, not in your own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. Overcoming Satan's Satan power demands that we understand how he operates. All the evil and tactical activities of Satan is to prevent God from being glorified. He wants the glory due to God's name. That's just the simple reason for idol worship. The devil wants to be worshipped. If you read Isaiah chapter 14, from verse 12 there, he said, I, 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 I will, I will ascend unto the Most High. I will be like the Most High. I will, I will go above the cloud. I will do this. It is I, personal pronoun. I, I, I. He wants to exalt himself. So, all those things that devil is doing, is so that he will be worshipped and adored, just like God. He wants to be worshipped. May we not worship Satan in Jesus' name. So that's why he's doing all he's doing. He achieved this save in two ways. Number one, keeping lost people from being saved. That's one of the, the ways Satan gets the glory that is due to God. He wants all to go to hell and is not happy when anyone gets saved. 
devil is not happy at all. And when you are involved in soul winning, get it clear, my brethren, the devil is not happy with you. Because he knows that each time he succeeds in keeping people from being saved, he has won an eternal victory. Because that person will spend eternity with him in hellfire, in lake of fire. So that is why we must do all we can. That is number one way that the devil used in getting the glory that is due to God. And you know all these unbelievers, when they are not worshipping God, who are they worshipping? Satan. Get it very clear. There are preachers today who are modeled up in their own message. They say all of us are serving the same God. Foul! No way. Anyone who is not born again is serving the devil. Because the Bible has clearly said we cannot serve two masters. Yes, yeah, sure. And if you are not in the kingdom of God, you are definitely in the kingdom of Satan. You know, in kingdom of God versus kingdom of Satan yesterday, it was there in our outlines. The characteristics of people who belong to the kingdom of God and people who are of the kingdom of Satan. So anybody that has that characteristics in, our life, in his or her life is definitely of the kingdom of Satan. And you know, the Bible tells us, I think in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, that when we are saved, we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So whoever is a sinner is in the kingdom of darkness. And every sinner has one demon following them. Yeah, sure. Number two, that the devil used in assuming this image to make human beings and human society as miserable as possible in this present life. The wars, poverty, oppression, sickness, racism, greed, and similar evils, too numerous to mention, are evidences of his work. We must realize that Satan is succeeding all too much. You look at the world today, all these things that is happening, the devil is succeeding so much. All the glory that is due to God's name, he has got it. Look at wars all over. Everywhere it is war. It is war. It is war. It is war. There's poverty. There's uh, wickedness. There's abortion. There's corruption. There's immorality. There's 419. All those things are just all there. And all these things rob God of the glory that is due to his name. All these are the activities of Satan. But if we don't understand it, we won't know how to go out and fight the devil. The empty churches and indifference to the gospel Reflect Satan's eternal victories. All those churches that are empty despite all we are doing, they are just activists, they are just showing us that the devil is succeeding so much. The spiritual strongholds that rule over our cities and blinding of the heart of the people will only be overcome by serious warfare prayer. It is there that the gospel can really be effective. If we don't fight the spiritual warfare and pray, and be serious. The gospel cannot really be effective. Either in our church and in our locality. But it's when we know this principle of spiritual warfare. And we begin to practice it. It is there. And we bind all those forces. We conquer them. We nickel them. We overcome them. It is there that the gospel can really move. As it should move. In our localities. In our churches. In our communities. God is calling us to fight on our knees for the gospel. And we, we will be the winner in Jesus' name. Turn to page 7. Under effective evangelism. Not everyone who says how to evangelize are effective. Failure 
barrenness and no growth, tear many in the face, despite years of hard and honest work. However, God wants us to succeed and to achieve success. We must renew our seriousness about prayer. Here are some suggested steps to take. One, select an area or look over your area with God's leading. That is seeing our cities as they are, not as they appear to be. You know, if we just look at your area, you think nothing is wrong, nothing is amiss, nothing is happening. But if you look at it from spiritual warfare perspective, a lot of things are happening. A lot of things that you take for granted, it has meanings. So if you, are, if you are going to win the war, look over the area where your church is found. Look over it with the eyes of God. All, that street where you are located, look at it very well. Search out. You know, I, I believe the principle that it is what you are looking for that you will get. So if you look at your area very well, you discover all these territory signs of the works of Satan there, of the principalities that are ruling the people in that area. Why are they not believed? Despite all the programs, despite all the crusade, the indoor revival, all we have done, why is it not really effective? Even those who have come, why are they haphazard in their Christian life? They are not serious, not committed. Some of them, despite years of coming to church, they are still sins in their life. They still do things that are so baffling that when the pastor hears it, he's so sad. And overwhelmed with sorrow that, ah, despite all my prayers and my preaching, why is it these people still living such lives? It's not the work of Satan. So look up over your area with the eyes of warfare. Pray according to God. Let God open your eyes to see the telltale signs that, that have been practiced in that area. Like we learned yesterday in three levels. Then research and mark by prayer the spirits ruling the area. If you are serious about it, God will tell you. He will reveal it to you, one way or the other. It may be somebody in your area confessing and telling you the activity. And one way or the other, you just hear it. Either by revelation or by somebody telling you it is, it is from the Lord. You just know, okay, so this is your operation in this area. These are the spirits ruling the area. And by the time you begin to do warfare against those spirits, I tell you they will flee the area. And you just discover that even with little preaching, with little prayer, with little effort, the people are, they will come in. And the church will grow. Strong. Quality, they will grow in quality. Their Christian life will be alright and okay. Then number three, join some together in warfare, prayer and fasting to overcome the strong man there. You know, that's where church is. I will be talking much on that tomorrow, on warfare in our streets. That's why we need to join hands together. That's why we have that chorus in our program. Build your church, Lord. Make it strong, Lord. Join our hearts, Lord, through your Son. Make us one, Lord, in your body, in the kingdom of your Son. So we need to join together. Or if churches are not cooperating with you, you can find members that are strong, spiritually. Join hands in prayer and fasting. And begin to do warfare in that area. You know, we practice it. Uh, the church I pastor, by God's grace, I started from the scratch. We were formerly located at that Elijah I was telling you. That was uh, 1992. So we discovered that no matter all the efforts we make, the people will not come. Or if they come, 
If they come home, they just go away. Now, at the other side of the street, there was a church there. I think Save the Lost Mission. That's their name. So when we discover that, uh -uh, this thing is not working. Are we going to fail here? Are we going to run away here? We said no. Then we begin to do this warfare. By then, every two, two weeks, we'll be fasting three, three days in the church. We'll pray and pray and pray. Then in the night, I and some of the brothers will go out. Around 12 o'clock, we'll go out. We'll go to the city junction, I mean the street junctions. We'll run the street, all those places, we'll run them. Then when we get there, we'll pray. We'll bind all the spirit there. We'll go there, we'll pray. And when we discover, oh, this is the headquarters of this thing here, we'll bind them, we'll cast them out. I tell you, in no time, the people just started coming. They just started coming. Then when they come, they stay. When they come, they stay. You know the pastor of this church I mentioned to you? Then one day, he saw me. He said, Pastor, how are you? He said, fine. He said, now, wow. Will they move out of this area? I said, why now? He said, no member. I said, yeah, but... Uh, he said, you? Ah, uh -uh. you get it. You don't get member now. I said, but the thing is not easy now. Why don't you let us be? Ah, I said, no. We've been here for a long time. The people are not coming. We are moving away. May God not let me run for devil in Jesus' name. Oh. I'm not going to run for devil. Jesus has given us the victory. I is just to go. You don't go in your power. But in the power of the Lord. You know, most of us, what is destroying us is this. I don't have power. You have power. You have what? Let me give you an illustration of a pastor. You know, he's one of these people who believe that he doesn't have power. So there was this woman coming to the church. She has uh, bleeding, serious bleeding. And it's a continuous one. So he has been praying for the woman all the time and cancelled the woman. The bleeding refused to stop. So this day, the pastor has gone out since morning. He has gone here and there. He was so tired and fagged out. When he came back in the evening, they told him that, uh, you see, uh, that woman with a bleeding problem, she's in the church waiting for you. Hmm. The pastor said, God, this is what I've been telling you. Say you should give me power. Suppose you give me power now. I will just get there and lay my hands on her. Just start out by the leading of the Lord. It will take you considerable time in prayer. What are the spirit ruling this area? Then, by the grace of God, you pray and pray warfare prayer and they will be defeated in Jesus' name. You then you will go out there and reap all the harvest that needs to be read. Let me give you illustrations of what I'm saying from other countries and other lands. In uh, page 8, you see that in Argentina, now, if you, stop, if, you, uh, if you are conversant with church groups, you discover that after China, after Korea, the next place that the church of they are experiencing revival and ch rapid church growth is that country called Argentina. Though we don't hear much of it in Nigeria, but from the materials and the informations I have on Argentina, in fact, Argentina is growing faster, much, much faster, almost equal with Korea. But the highest place is China. But in Argentina alone, these are what they use. 
for the growth of their church. As at 1984, the largest church in Argentina comprised of 50 members. Now, if you're a pastor in Argentina by 1984 and you have 50 members, you are a big shot. You are the Ogakwatakwata. But when this revival came and they started, and yet, they could not rationalize. You know, in Argentina, they have a lot of pastors, like uh, people like Luis Palau is there, Juan Carlos is there, and uh, a lot of them like that. But they have not been able to fashion the church growth they know with, with growth in Argentina. But by 1984, they had seminars like this. And you know, when they begin to practice warfare, church growth begins to happen. That by today, Anybody that gets saved for just one year, one and a half year, will be pastoring about 2,000 people in Argentina. In fact, their problem now is lack of ministers, not lack of Christians. And uh, most of the churches, uh, so there are people who built 50-member churches before, they have to break it down. And some of them are worshipping in open fields because they practice this spiritual warfare. When they begin to practice it, and it was a group, just like this uh, church group service that started it. This uh, Edago Ed Silvuso. I forgot uh, her. I mean, Harvest something is the name of his own uh, ministry. He started it in an area where he did a plan. They called the plan Plan Resisteca. It is the name of a city is that Resisteca. So when he did that plan, they went to the area by the leading of the Lord by prayer. And uh, by those who have the gift of visions and all those things, they got the spirit ruling the area, and they did a time of fasting and prayer. They send the spirits out, come and see people coming for salvation. The thing that are so hard before, it became so easy. Even before the prayer at all, people get healed and delivered. So in Argentina is one of the leading to- uh, countries that record a lot of growth in the world today. So let's look a little of what is going and how the people, the ministers there are achieving that. Look at, in Argentina, where a great harvest of souls are being reaped for God, it was reported that evangelists begin to pray over cities before proclaiming the gospel there. Only after they sense that spiritual powers over the nation have been bound, will they begin to preach. People like Carlos Anacondia, that's one of their leading evangelists. Each day, he got 1,000 souls. Every day he preached, 1,000 souls. Must be, and it's not the 1,000 that happens here. Those 1,000, they will fold them into the churches. And the church will fold. At the end of the day, out of those 1,000, about 950 of them stays in the Lord. So, because he practiced this spiritual warfare, before, before, even if, in his crusade ground, there are two hours of prayer that you will be praying. Not preaching, no, praying. So if we can adopt that and practice it, my brethren, many of us who are evangelists say, you know the first thing we do when we are about to hold crusade is to seek for those who support us with money. Am I right? But we should seek for those who will back us in prayer first. And after we have prayed and prayed. And in fact, I have the information of all these people like uh, Reinhard Bonke and uh, all those evangelists. Before they hold any crusade, at least they will have fasted two weeks doing spiritual warfare. That's why when they come, 
the crowds are there, the healings are there, and you begin to wonder, God, why have you not done this in my life? You know, there, was a, there, was, there was one pastor, I think there were two of them. They went to the meeting of Yungichu, that man in Korea. So they discovered that as he was preaching, he would just say, Oh, there is somebody there who is on the wheelchair. The Lord is healing you now. And the person will stand up. You just say, oh, there is someone there. You have blind eye when you come in. You check up now. The Lord is healing you. And the person will just get the sight. His own is just to say it. And the thing happens. And you know the pastor, they took the challenge. They say, oh God, you are a partial God. Why did you leave us like this? This is a man like us. Why, have, why is he more successful than me? Oh God, you are a partial. And they went and they prayed. You know, when they were praying, our God is a merciful God. One day after serious prayer, God told them that. You see that man? Those things he saying, it is the voice of 2,001 people you are hearing. It's not only his voice. What does that mean? He has 2,000 intercessors praying for him. That he pays salary to. They are not doing any work. They resume 8 o'clock in the morning. They pray till evening. He pays them. And they pray for various departments of his life. This one pray over his moral life. This one pray over his uh, family. This one prays over his preachings. This one prays over this and over that. That's why you find that despite all their sources, they are not proud. And they don't fall away into the disease of theater. Quite unlike our Nigerian preachers and evangelists. The moment they succeed and the crowd are coming, the money are coming. They are proud, they are cocky, they are high-minded. And easily some of them fell into the trap of women and money and glory. May God save us. Because there are people backing them up. I think in our next seminar, we should do that as helping the clergy. These things I'm saying are there in more detail. So that that will help us pastors. So that we don't work to gain the souls of others and we also become children of perdition. All these things are there in more detail. And I have brought the books for you if you want to see them. May God help us in Jesus' name. So when we do all this, that people backing us up in prayer, then, and that is the first thing, you should see for prayer backers, prayer warriors, who will pray, 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 pray. Amen. When the, we sense that the Lord has uh, the, the, all those powers there have taken their leave, we are weakening their hold on that area, then if you go there, the thing will be easy. You don't need to shout and hold on, hold on, hold on before they call. But today we believe in much publicity. It's quite good, it's quite alright. But you know it doesn't bring the desired result. Another person in Argentina is this man called Omar Cabrera. He, te he tells us that he frequently closed himself in warfare, prayer, and fasting from 5 to 40 days before commencing a new war in a city until the devil's power ruling over the area is broken. Then sinners will come out in their thousands to be saved and healed. His vision, that's the name of his church, Vision of the Future, that he started in 1979, has grown to 137,000 as at 1985. Now, how does he do it? If he wants to go to an area, he will tell his team to be preparing. Then he will go to fasting. He will fast. If he fasts for five days, God says the power is not broken. He continues. He told us in uh, one, of his, one of the books that uh, 
there was a time he fasted up to 45 days. Only drinking water. Then on the 45th day, he saw a demon appearing to him face to face. Saying, you this man, why are you troubling us in this area? The people are the ones who call us to come and be ruling them in this area. And you are say, get out of this area and never you come back. And you know when he got out, by the time he came and told his people, okay, make the stage and everything ready, let's go and do the crusade. By the time they went and do the crusade, even without preaching at, without praying, without preaching, they were just starting and singing choruses. People begin to get healed. Dead people get risen. Even without, he has not prayed at all. Because the spirit controlling the area and doing all those harbor have been served quick notice. Am I communicating? May God bless us. But when we don't do that, like a doctor told us yesterday, all those spirits in charge of adultery, in charge of wars in that time of poverty, they'll be troubling us. And you see the problems in our churches. They cause it there now because we don't recognize that these are the enemies. Rather than recognize that it is the devil causing the division and the quarrel and the hatred and the bitterness, we fight ourselves than the devil. And when we fight ourselves, we backbite, we talk people about ourselves, the devil claps his hand. Hmm, I have achieved what I want to achieve. May these powers be broken over our lives and ministries in Jesus' name. Amen. So this, this is what this man usually does. And by 1985 alone, he has got 137,000. Just six years. And there are many of us. I'm not abusing anyone, no. The Lord will just help us. And then we must know that there is a reason why God is teaching us this now. I know some of us know them before. They are not actually new. But I think God is teaching us new things. You know, the word of God is fresh every day. Uh-huh. That's just what I believe. I don't believe you are strangers to this. But He may be giving us in better detail or from another angle. So if we can practice that all those years in the ministry, God will bless us with it. So the first thing, maybe you want to plant a church in an area, or you want to get to an area, the first thing is break the power of Satan over that area. The strong man that is keeping the people, they cow him. When you nickel the thing, the work will be easy. You know, it was <laughs> okay. Then another person is this. Egado Ed, uh, Silvusu, I've mentioned his name, reports the accelerated multiplication of churches within a radius of 100 miles of the city of Rosario in Argentina after a trim broke the power of the spirit of Mary Gildo in 1985. That's the guy. That churches, they put the place in a radius. You know, there is this thing called radius in mass. Is that not Radius and circumference. That means the circle. Now, you can do it in your area also. That maybe five miles, radius of my church, you begin to break all the powers there. And if you do it seriously, you know I told you, just do it for one month with seriousness, there will be a change. You will see a change. If there is no change, stop doing it. But I believe there will be a change. If you do it with, with enough seriousness. Then another person is this, Paul Yonggicho. Constantly affirms the growth of the kingdom of God in Korea to the victory over the territorial spirits by prayer. To start a church in a new area, you have to break the power of the devil controlling the area. 
Yeah. You know, Yungicho told a story that uh, there was this army chaplain who was stationed in Germany. But they, they later transferred him to uh, the American station at uh, Korea. So when he got there, he would just preach the message to the chaplain in the army barracks. And come and see there, the captain, the majors, everybody, they would just bow down and be weeping and be crying and they would be getting saved. So it has been happening like that. Each Sunday, the church chaplain will pack full. Then he will just print a simple gospel message. Even the doctor, I mean, the, 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 the major generals and the commanders, everyone there will bow down and be weeping and crying and getting saved, getting healed, getting delivered, and so on and so forth. And the army chaplain was worried. Then he went to Yongicho one day. Say, please come, I don't understand. I was stationed in Germany before. Before they transferred me to Korea here. And it is the same messages that I preach in Germany that I'm preaching here. But the response is different. In Germany, they will just be looking at me after I finish. If I make altar call, nobody will come forward. But here, before I finish, they are already weeping and crying and they are getting saved. Even those people will never call. They come by themselves. Please, do you know the secret? Yongisho said he laughed. Say, you know what? Here, we broken the power of the spirit ruling and it's easy for the people to believe. But in Germany, the power is strong there. And even Yongicho himself admits that he wants to start, God gave him a mission, vision to start uh, uh, to win 10 million Japanese for Christ. So he said, often and often, he will go to Japan May I tell you for your information, my brethren, Japan is the headquarter of Satan now. Because in Japan alone, in the city of Tokyo, they have 8,000 idols that they are worshipping. That's why Japan, they, they make more money. The percentage of Christians in Japan, very, very small. Because the idols just control them. So he said he will often go there and go there and go there and go there. But the place... The fruit is not as in Korea. Then he said, then the minister, they fought with him. They said, we don't want you here. You are a Korean. Go. We don't want you. They will, they will discourage him with their words and all those things. Then he said, he was not discouraged. Then he would pray and pray and pray. Then one day, he went to Japan. He was in the hotel room. In that hotel room, he said, his workers that he took along with him were sleeping at the other room. So, there was, uh, there was cold outside. It was the time of snow. So he said, but suddenly, he felt that in that room, the room was just so warm. So warm. Then he began to say, ah, what's happening? There's cold everywhere. Now what's the... By the time he opened his eyes, he saw the devil standing there. Then he said, hey, so devil, you are here. Get away. He said, get away. Hmm? You don't know anything. Today, you are dead. He? I'm dead today. Then he said, started praying. Oh God, oh God, don't let me die. This is the devil. Oh God. He started praying and praying. He said he prayed for one hour. The devil stood there and looked at him. When you finish prayer, I kill you. Today, you are dead. He said the devil will say so laconically that today, you die. 
In your country, you drove us out. You are not satisfied. In my headquarters here in Japan, you came. And you want to, you want to do another thing again. I won't allow you. I've been running after you for quite a long amount of time. I got you today. You die today. Oh. Do your prayer finish. He said they called the name of Jesus. Hmm? He won't go. He stayed there. So when you finish your prayer, ready to die. Then he said, he, after two hours prayer, the devil stayed there. Then he said he wants to run out to go and call his workers. Say, please, come and help him. Then he said, something told him within him that if you run from the devil now, you will be running from him forever. So stay and fight the battle. He said he began to pray. And in all his prayers, he never quoted the Bible. Then after two hours prayer, the devil stayed there. He just said, finish up, Mr. Man. I will kill you today. You are there today. Then he said, something just told him we didn't say. Why are you praying? Stop praying. Call the Bible at him. Okay. The Bible said, receive the devil and he will flee from you. Then he said, oh, the Bible says I've given you power to the devil, serpents and scorpions, and upon all power of the enemy. The devil got shocked again. Okay, the Bible says, in my name you shall cast out devil. He got hurt. He said, by the time he will quote four scripture passages, the devil said, okay, you don't die today, you die next time. Then he went to him. And he said, since that day that the devil went away, his efforts in Japan begin to bear fruit. In fact, he sent a woman there to start the church in Japan. In just two years, the church grew to 500. Because he conquered the power there. May God help us in Jesus' name. Let's stand up. If we don't conquer the power, there may be no success, my brethren. Though the Lord wants us to succeed, He wants us to make it. He wants us to, I mean, our church to grow and our efforts to, to yield food, to plant churches, not only in that church you are, to plant churches, make efforts, our evangelistic outreaches to bear fruit. But if we don't start quick notice to the forces in that area, we may not be successful as it should be. That's what others have done. And if you look at the outline, outline this Steve Nicholson had ministered in a field for six years with virtually no fruit. They prayed for the sick, but few got well. Then he went into a period of serious fasting and prayer until an evil spirit appeared to him asking, Why are you bothering me? It eventually identified itself as the demon of witchcraft who had supervision of the ge geographical area. Steve drove it away and claimed the city streets surrounding the area for the kingdom of God. From that day, he had the joy of seeing many conversion in his otherwise barren ministry. If we too can do that, our barren ministry or our stagnant ministry will be more fruitful in the name of Jesus. So we are going to pray. You have the power. God, just help me. Give me the boldness, the courage, the self-denial, the self-sacrifice to get into this spiritual warfare. And I know when I get there, the victory is always there. Let's pray in Jesus' name.
God. To do the warfare, let us put on the armor of God. God's armor is the, is the, is the, is the, is the battle dress for sorcerers. pray my brethren that Lord equip me more for this battle you know in military warfare it is the level of your equipment that determines your victory there may be others who are Calvary soldiers and they don't have it that's what America use in defeating many they have the equipment they have the equipment in fact now they are designing robots that to be fighting battles so that they don't lose men anymore. So we should, we should pray. If you are properly equipped, one person can change 10,000. Yes. And that is why Israeli, nobody can win there. With the backing of God, we thank God for that. But at the same time, their armies are highly trained and equipped. That if they take an opposing enemy, one army can finish 10,000. With the level of training. We are going to tell the Lord, Lord, equip me for this battle. I'm not, the, right, the equipment we have got before is not sufficient and you know. Some of our former equipments are not modern. They are not modern. They are old and archaic ones. Lord, equip me afresh. Put on me the battle dress. According to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Dress me for battle afresh, O Lord. Equip me so that I can win this battle in my area. Let's pray in Jesus' name. for the way you'll be unfolding your power and presence in our midst. We thank you for areas you've taken us to this morning. We thank you for the revelations that we are endowed with the power of your anointing. We thank you because there are certain things that are hidden that we've never known before that now we've recognized. We thank you because you've taken us to the headquarters of our enemies and we've known their secrets and we cannot bulldoze them. Father, we thank you for the people you've been using we thank you for the place you've taken us to. You've encamped us here 
and you have sanctified this place and even the words they are coming from heaven we thank you because you prepared you prepared our minds and our souls to receive this menu we thank you because you've given us the meal that we require at this very moment we thank you because we've been able to recognize the potency of your word in our, in our mouths we thank you because you, we, we, we now realize that even our blood our veins, the water in us, the bone, the marrows, they've now been consecrated for your work. We thank you, Lord. Take all glory in Jesus' name. We've now we are ready. We are turbo charged. We are now ready to go into the battle. Father, as we are going, we want new garments. We want new guns. We want new bullets. We don't want to use those guns that are quick. We don't want to use guns that cannot, that cannot hit at the target. We want the world that when, when we fire the salvo, it hit the target and, and destroy it. That we destroy the stronghold of Satan. Father, Lord, 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 this very moment, we ask for that power. We ask for that new materials. Father, give that, lay them unto the hands in Jesus' name. We want our thoughts to be changed. We want our system to be changed for a new. We want our eyes to be changed anew. When the face of Moses was changed anew, people could no longer look at him again. Father Lord, today we want new things in every facet of our life. We want new materials. Father, make us new in Jesus' name. Oh, we are sending the power of God to our homes now. We are sending the power of God to our churches now. We are sending the power of God to our waist now. Father, we want you to be the pathfinder. We don't want to do things by our mental sense again. We don't want to do things in academic sense again. We want the Holy Spirit to take total control. We want the Holy Spirit to take total control. I was studying the, 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 the first church in the Acts of Apostles. I could see as much, as much, as much Peter was able to do. Paul even did more than that. We've been learning about Youngie Show. We've learning about Kabbalah. We've learning about all these pastors far away. We can see that one of them was able to, able to have 137,000 members within a short while. We too, we want to perform this feat in our land. We, we thank God that even instead of imparted teachers, we have Nigerian-made teachers now who are teaching the teachers. And we know we have actually got much enough for them to be used. Father, come and use us anew in Jesus' name. Come and break the yoke. Come and destroy Satan. Even in his headquarters, wherever Satan may be today, we challenge you in this country. We want to do battle with you. We are not running away again. Oh, this devil told young issue. If you today you are going to die. The man of God was praying until he started giving that instruction to Satan. That I've been empowered to cast you out. I've been empowered to destroy you. Therefore, we are telling you today, you Satan, we have been empowered, we have been endowed, we have been anointed to destroy your Satan. So wherever you may be, either in our house, either in our oh, either in our church, either in the city, either in the town, wherever you may be, we are telling you today, it has been ordained that at the measure of the name of Jesus Christ, all knees shall bow. All tongues must confess that our Christ is the living God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Therefore, today, wherever you may be, you Satan, you devil, wherever you, the power you may be using, 
Either out of Asmodi, either of Belial, either out of Bezobob, whatever power you are using, we catch you today, we bind you, and catch a lake of fire in Jesus' name. We are telling you today, use it, move away. In Jesus' name, move, 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 move. Whoa, I'm happy today because many pastors have been left alone. They've, they've troubled, they've worried, they've labored, and there was no others. But today, Oh, we learned about young issue. About 2,000 people are praying for him. And it was revealed that the voice we are hearing is the voice of 2,000. Today here, at least we are about 40 ministers of God here. And today, we have agreed that in our individual churches, that Satan has been removed, that in our homes and streets, Satan has been removed. Therefore, this is the voice of the ministers of God, not the voice of, of, of a minister. Voice of the ministers of God. Therefore, Lord, in all our churches, in all our homes, in the streets, in the towns, in the country, wherever we may find ourselves, Father, today we combine together all our efforts and energies. All the power of glory in us. We now say, You, Satan, move away. In Jesus' name, move away. Move, 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 move. Move, 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 move. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, because we have been able to see ourselves. We know we need that self-denial. We know we need that courage. We know we need that boldness. Because the Bible says the righteous will be as bold as the lion. But we believe that some people, because they're not able to to, 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 to exercise the self-denial. That's why they've been falling. We remember, Samson was, was given as much power as possible, but because he was not able to be careful, the self-denial was not there, he fell so cheap into the hand of the leader. And the man that was powerful before, his eyes, his eyes were made to be blind. But the moment he recognized that potency again, he requested for that power. And the Bible wrote it, it was said, it was written. Then he requested that Lord give me that power once again. The Bible said Samson was able to kill even at his death more than that he has killed when he was alive. We don't want to we don't want to start winning soul from grave. We want to win soul here for you, Lord. We want to be assured that our name has been written in the book of life, and we want to take as many people as possible to you in your kingdom in heaven. Lord, use us mightily in Jesus' name. Use us mentally in Jesus' name. Lord, use us mentally in Jesus' name. We need that fullness of Holy Ghost. With that fullness of Holy Spirit. Father, today, we are asking for new equipment. We are asking for new equipment. What we are asking for is not caterpillar. It is not caterpillar. It's not pen or barrel. It's not paper. We are asking for Holy Spirit. That fullness of Holy Spirit. Father, come and remake us in Jesus' name. Remember us in Jesus' name. At the end of this program, Lord, when we shall meet again in another program, either in March or in April, want to come and give testimony that I tried what we learned here. I prayed. I entered into warfare. And I conquered. My church used to be this before, but now we have a tremendous number. 
We want to come and glorify the holy name. We must not come in vain. We must not come in vain. Oh, I said we will not come in vain in Jesus' name. This program, this project for the organizers and those of us who are partakers, we will glorify Jesus in Jesus' name. And all this we ask for in Jesus' name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Let's pray our hands together for Christ.